The following program is produced and sponsored by Cancer Treatment Centers of America. The information discussed during this program is not medical advice. Be sure to talk to your medical doctor for information and advice relating to your health. Thank you for making the choice to join us now for Health, Hope, and Inspiration. I'm Wayne Shepherd with our host, Reverend Percy McRae, Director of Faith-Based Programs at Cancer Treatment Centers of America. We're going to talk about the blame game today. Is this cancer my fault? Well, yeah, when we begin to dig into some of the uh, dynamics of what happens in the midst of a cancer journey, one of the things that certainly can surface and bubble up is individuals trying to figure out why, who, and what, and then they can start playing the, the blame, blame game. game. Yeah, yeah. So you've seen this, huh? I have seen this, and unfortunately, this has very negative consequences. And we need to empower people to quickly work through uh, this dynamic because of the effects of what it can do to them that is not in their best interest long term. Well, I don't know anywhere else where this kind of conversation takes place because you're you're in the heat of the battle, so to speak, as director of faith-based programs at Cancer Treatment Centers of America, where people are struggling with this this issue of cancer all the time. Well, again, what we know, Wayne, very clearly is that according to the American Cancer Society, again, one out of three people are estimated to be potentially diagnosed with cancer. That's a lot of people when we then start doing the math of how many people uh, in our that are, that are in our population. And we begin to think about our community, our church, our world. And the bottom line is this is one of those necessary conversations mm-hmm. that most people are not having if and when they are confronted with the dynamic and the challenge of cancer. Well, I know we're going to talk about this more deeply here today in lieu of a guest. A guest will not be joining us today, but we'll, we'll spend our time talking about this. But what's what's the damage done by playing the blame game? Well, ultimately, and as we work through the conversation today, ultimately, at the end of the day, like, like many things, it is a distraction to keep you away from really focusing on the things that are really important, that are necessary to work through a cancer journey. What we do know is that, by and large, uh, a a cancer diagnosis and journey is not a sprint. It's a marathon. Mm -hmm. It's a long, it can be potentially a long and arduous process. Not always, but potentially. Not always, but in many cases it can be. That being said, People need to rally all of the mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual wherewithal and resources that promotes the idea of health and wellness and recovery. And when you get stuck in the midst of playing the blame game, that's a quagmire where you cannot get any real traction with what is needed from a day-to-day grind of being a cancer patient. Well, stay with us now for this conversation to come on today's podcast, Health, Hope, and Inspiration. But we are going to make a resource available called The Blame Game, and it it parallels our conversation we're going to have here today. And our listeners can download that free of charge. That is correct. So we want to uh, avail everyone to this document that will help kind of speak through and kind of synthesize a lot of what will be discussed in this conversation today that will allow them as well as others to hopefully uh, the ministry of healing. See, when we talk about the healing of God, healing happens on a lot of different levels that allows us not to be bogged down with things that basically corrupt us and contaminate us to such a degree that we can't receive the light of God's love and forgiveness in our hearts that promotes health, healing, and wellness. And this document is actually going to help people to step through deciphering how not to play the blame game and what that looks like at the end of the day. Yeah, well, stay with us now on health 
Hope and Inspiration, go to our website, healthhopeandinspiration.com, to download that resource. We want you to know that if you or someone you love is fighting cancer, we hope you'll consider Cancer Treatment Centers of America because they treat the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. Visit our website at healthhopeandinspiration.com and click on Sponsor to learn more about Cancer Treatment Centers of America or contact one of their friendly oncology information specialists about questions you may have about your treatment options by simply calling this number, 866-712-HOPE, 866-712-4673, 866-712-HOPE. Cancer Treatment Centers of America uses state-of-the-art technologies to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com. These conversations we have each week are, um, well, they're based in Scripture. We start with Scripture. Because we're people of faith. Amen. And being people of faith, we want to make sure that we are establishing every precept and every principle on the Word of God. It's important to us. It is. And so when we do that, this is not man's opinion. This is not the opinion of the wise guy that lives down the street from you or your (laughs) great-grandfather or your Uncle Ralph. This is based upon the Word of God. And so we can live by that. So establishing this principle of truth that we want to build a platform of dialogue around today is found in Proverbs 17.22. It's a great scripture. Many people have heard it, but how applicable will it be for today? A merry, a merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. And this is going to frame philosophically uh, what happens when individuals uh, do not address or engage in elongated blaming or the blame game, as we talk about, with regard to any type of negative circumstance or situation, but certainly with regard to dealing with a cancer diagnosis. It doesn't accomplish anything, does it? because we know that blame promotes neither peace nor healing. And what every cancer patient desires, needs, and wants is a sense of peace and some sort of process or pathway of healing of some sort. So it is a trap that we be, we really need to avoid. Mm-hmm. All right. Whose fault is cancer? That's a question that pops up in people's minds. I, I, I guess it's inevitable that the question comes up, but we need to resist it. But whose fault is cancer? Well, when, when individuals are, are struck and, and, and confronted with a traumatic, uh, in some cases, life-altering scenarios and situations, and cancer certainly falls into that category, immediately what begins to happen, just think about what's going on in our current marketplace uh, in the world as we talk about different aspects of things, whether it be politically or economically or uh, uh, world climate, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. We're trying to figure out who's yeah. at fault here. We need here. to point the finger to someone, Somebody don't we? did yeah. something. Who did what? Who shot Johnny? Who slapped Sally? <laughs> so when we talk about that, that certainly becomes a uh, unfortunately a natural uh, question that arises when the cancer conversation is thrown on the table. Whose fault is it? So first and foremost, here's a few things that we want to give people uh, some balanced conversation around. Number one, there is something to be said, Wayne, and we need to be very clear about the fact that lifestyle choices mm-hmm. and lifestyle practices can, in some cases, increase our risk for cancer. We have to acknowledge that. Now, we need to own that because, and we've talked about it uh, a lot on this show with regard to the scripture that says, don't you know that your body, you know, belongs to God? It's not yours. It was bought with a price, and it's the habitation of the Holy Spirit that we are accountable for what we do with our physical beings. And so when we talk about lifestyle choices, and let's be very clear so no one feels like they're being picked upon based upon research and data, uh, some of the examples are smoking, uh, diet 
dietary practices, mm-hmm. being obese, uh, lack of physical fitness and exercise and et cetera, are lifestyle related dynamics that potentially can increase the risk of cancer. So we do need to own. We don't need to be judgmental. And we don't need to ridicule people, but we do need to begin to take a look in the mirror. Uh, I believe Michael Jackson said it best, the man in the mirror, <laughs> that, you know, I need to first start with me. I need to look at, and I believe that this is a this is a healthy spiritual perspective, that when we talk about the things of God, and again, I'll use myself as, as an example, at any point in time when something negatively transpires in my life that I'm trying to figure out, uh, what's going on? Where, where, where? What's happening here? The first thing I always do is like, Lord, where, where did I leave a door open mm-hmm. in my own personal life? Mm-hmm. What is it that I did or did not do that I could have done differently or better? It's healthy to ask that. It is healthy to ask, but that. not to blame ourselves right. for those and th- choices. And there may, there may or may not be any real concrete answers there. But in terms of the possibility. Of when we talk about whose fault is cancer, this is not to blame anyone. This is to begin to look at things that we can possibly self-correct. Yeah, if well, you ask the question, then you're turning a corner to make some good choices. So we certainly can begin to talk about and look at and examine some lifestyle choices that, you know, at the end of the day, we can begin to take some ownership and make some adjustment with. That's a fair place to start. Okay. How about genetics? Genetics, at the end of the day, you and I, here's, here's the... Uh, the the hot take of the day. We have no control over our genetic makeup and what has happened. Our genetics we inherited was given to us and passed along to us. So again, at the end of the day, as I often tell people, if you don't like how tall or short you are, if you don't like the color of your hair, guess what, buddy? That's that's the cards you were dealt. Now you may want to adjust some of those things as 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 you think need. Fit. But basically, there is basically some genetical uh, genetics that have been handed down to us that we have to live with. So genetic. Same thing is true of age. And we, age can, we can't stop the march of time, can, can we? can play a role in our risk factors. And so we have to earn, uh, live up to that and understand that I know as an African-American, and I jokingly tell people all the time, you know, just historically from a medical perspective, there are a lot of things that I'm predisposed to as mm-hmm. an African male, you know, with regard to heart disease and mm-hmm. high blood pressure and diabetes and et cetera. Those statistics are typically more or less off the chart for various different reasons because of my genetic predisposition position as being African-American. So again, genetics and age can certainly play a role uh, in our risk factors of cancer. And other behavioral things, too. Other And other behavioral things. But cancer also, you know, here's the, here's the big takeaway, and here's what we know. And again, statistically, cancer strikes all people regardless of behavior, be, regardless of race, regardless of cultural orientation, and dare I say social and political affiliation as well, right, right. Uh, of every walk of life. The reality of the world that we live in, as many have stated, cancer is the malady of our day, and everybody theoretically is exposed to its potential negative effects. And so uh, really no one is to blame for cancer in that respect. So we are all in this together. Let's not point fingers at each other at the doctor's office. And I've seen husbands and wives do this because of the stress that you put me through or this, that, or the Mm -hmm. other. It, it, It Again, going back to the top of the statement, blame promotes neither peace nor healing. It's a trap that we need to avoid. Yeah. And we've had entire long conversations about the part that sin plays in cancer or not. Correct. And so when we, you know, when we try to unpack that and as we deal with that, again, first and foremost, uh, the scripture that we've used to really help 
uh, counter that discussion or that argument or point of view is found in John's gospel, uh, the ninth chapter, verses two and three. And again, you know, paraphrasing, uh, the disciples asked Jesus who sinned uh, based upon a man who was born from birth blind. Mm-hmm. And the question was asked was, did the man's parents sin and or did he sin? And basically Jesus answered and said, no one sinned in this particular scenario. And, it, and in some cases, it shoots holes in some of our theology Again, where we're trying to place blame somewhere in a very concrete fashion about sickness and disease in relationship relationship to sin. Well, again, here is an example from a biblical uh, context where Jesus himself says no one sinned here. As a matter of fact, the rest of the scripture says uh, that this was allowed to happen that in order for the works of God to be displayed. Yeah. Now, it's a hard pill to swallow, um, and it's not, we're not saying that God gave or put cancer on anyone. No. But in some cases, here's what I do know. God is an opportunist, <laughs> and God will take advantage of any scenario and situation, and there are some things that are allowed to happen in order for God to be manifest, his glory to be manifest, in some cases for, for our faith to be tried and proven and perfected. And so as we work through that, it it helps us also not to fight against things that we have no control over. Mm -hmm. See, we're trying to fight against a concept that at the end of the day, we have no real control over. And in this particular case, as as I've stated before, it keeps us from being double-minded when we begin to think about where do we find our sense of strength and help. It's going to be very difficult to believe that God is working with you if you believe God did something to you. How do I trust God or how do I seek God when God did this to me at the end of the day? That's a double-minded man. Hmm. Well, before we talk more about maybe blaming God for what befalls us, I want to go back to ourselves. Don't you think it's more common that we turn the blame on ourselves and these issues? Well, if I'd only done this better, if I'd only made wiser choices about my health, well, again, when it, I think that it's it's all in the perspective of what we're doing there. If we're having self-examination, I think that every human being, uh, Paul said that he had to learn how to walk circumspect mm-hmm. of his situation and his circumstances. So it's healthy to do that. In other words, right, the word circumspect in the original uh, King James uh, Greek and Hebrew means to 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 take an outer look at yourself, looking into yourself. There are some things that we just basically have to come to terms with right. that potentially we have done or we did not do by ignorance or otherwise that we need to, you know, take ownership. Smoking is a perfect example. Mm-hmm. You know, again, everyone knows that smoking is not healthy for you, and yet people still smoke every day. I'm amazed at how many cancer patients still actually smoke. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the point to be made— Because it's addictive. Right. It, well— Exactly. But understanding that there is a cause and effect potentially from long-term use of abuse of tobacco, then you begin to take a look at at least say, well, listen, I probably need to adjust that or look at that or, which is going to take us to a bigger point later on in this discussion, if I have violated those natural laws, because we're now talking about natural laws that we've violated, mm-hmm. you know, uh, dietary practices, not maintaining uh, an appropriate weight, et cetera, et cetera. Those are natural laws that we violated either uh, consciously or unconsciously. When we come to a reckoning of that and an understanding of that, we're not blaming ourselves. We're taking ownership. And now we have a way by which to do something about that. It shows us a path of action to take. That's exactly right. So first, spiritually, and we'll get to this, we have a pathway of forgiveness through Christ. Mm -hmm. No matter where we've been and what we've done, 
um, you know, whatever we have engaged in, we can be forgiven. See, the, the key to life is is not beating yourself up. The key to, to life is identifying, hey, I probably could have taken a different road or I probably could have taken a different avenue. I didn't do that. But now I'm going to reconcile or correct that. And I'm going to take a different path now. Mm-hmm. And now I'm focused to move full steam ahead versus staying in. Well, oh, woe is me if I only had done this differently or better. That's a different perspective and mindset to taking ownership of things that possibly we may have done or not have done. So some introspection is fine as long as it doesn't cross the line into beating ourselves up and blaming ourselves that, you know, it's my fault that, that is, I have this cancer. That is absolutely correct. Again, the Bible says confession is good for the soul. So since we're, we're going to keep driving down this road, then I'll beat this horse for a while. <laughs> Again, confession Confession, not necessarily to your priest, not necessarily to your pastor, not not necessarily to anyone else, but confession to yourself, Mm -hmm. confession of self. Confession is good for the soul, the mind, the will and emotions of a human being so that then when theoretically we can course correct, we can make some better choices, uh, we can do some things differently. That's very healthy. It's very appropriate and, quite frankly, it's very godly. Mm-hmm. You know, and then moving on to uh, the issue of blaming God, there is, a, there is something called lament. And I believe it's biblical for lament to take place, but it shouldn't cross that line again into blaming God. If I was if I was going to become a Christian because of the average Christian that I know, I would never be a Christian. Pretty shallow, huh? Yes, sir. I am a Christian because of the basic byproduct and effects of being connected to Christ. There you go. What is the key component of the byproducts of Christ that for for I so love the world that I sent my only begotten son and his job was sent to cover my sins and to remit my sins and to put me back into right standing with God, period, in discussion and conversation. That being said, that's fundamentally why I'm a Christian, because Christianity gives me right standing with God through forgiveness and the grace and salvation through Christ. So having said that, lamenting or feeling bad about who you have been or what you have done or mistakes that you have made actually leads to a disposition of repentance. Well, the word repentance has gotten a real bad rap we don't, <laughs> because we use it so poorly. The word repent simply means to change your mind. Mm-hmm. It means to change direction. So, again, quit driving down the same stupid street if it's not taking you to the destination of where you want to get to. You need to change your mind or repent of using that road and find a better road to get you where you ultimately want to go. Well, in order to do that, you've got to have an element of lamenting or feeling badly like, oh, man, can't believe I've been driving down this street for so long and it's not taking me where I want to go. That will cause you then to have a broken and a contrite heart, the Bible says. And that's what God requires when we come to him. And that's where we re- we freely receive his grace and his mercy. That's not beating ourselves up. Yeah. That's not whipping ourselves with uh, with a, a hyssop plant, you know, mm-hmm. and all of these other weird concepts that we have that's been handed down theologically to us. At the end of the day, that's where we find ourselves back at the foot of the throne of God saying, Father, today I want to change direction. I want to move in a different direction. But first, I need to change my mind. And a changed mind comes from a changed and broken contrite heart. So it's important we understand there's no value in assigning blame to ourselves or to anyone or to God. It simply distracts us from 
you know, doing what we have to do. It distracts us from the real work that is necessary. The, the simplest and easiest thing that we'll ever be able to do is to acknowledge that we are broken, we are damaged. In some cases, we've made bad choices, bad decisions, and bad mistakes. That we can take that to the foot of God and we can leave that there. Well, then we can get up and turn around and we can start moving in yeah. a direction. Give me some more of your thinking on Proverbs seventeen twenty two. A merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. Well, it's still it's speaking to the very point that we're making because ultimately the negative impact of taking um, uh, this sense of de- you know, being so despondent at being, you know, the old song is, you know, uh, this poor wretched man that I am. Well, at some point we were wretched, but then thanks be unto God that we were saved by grace, that we don't have to stay in that wretched state. Things that we may have said or done, if we live from a wretched mindset and from a, a wretched point of perspective and point of view, we stay in that state of being, and that basically uh, ruins who we are. Uh, when we begin to understand who we are in God through Christ, we've been redeemed, we've been forgiven, uh, we've been blessed and anointed. Uh, we're not waiting to be blessed. We're blessed right now. Then that gives us a sense of merriment. It changes the condition of our heart. And that's what this scripture is talking about. A merry heart does good. I've never seen anyone who have picked themselves up and dusted themselves off thinking that they were some low-down, dirty dog. Mm. A low-down, dirty dog, how, how you know how you become a low-down, dirty dog? <laughs> is you lay down and you stay in the dirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lay, the difference between a low-down, dirty dog and someone who gets up and picks themselves up and dusts themselves off is that they find themselves redeemed and renewed, and that gives them a merry heart to celebrate that I'm not that person, that's not who I am any longer, and I'm doing things differently. So again, a merry heart does good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drives the bones. Blame and guilt rob us of our joy. It breaks our spirit. A broken spirit can negatively impact our physical condition. Think about people that you see that are homeless and people who are living in a degraded state. They haven't bathed. They haven't washed. They haven't clothed themselves properly. Look, think about the state and the physical condition. Think about how you feel, Wayne, when you go get a fresh haircut, <laughs> when you get a fresh shave. Yeah. It just changes the whole dynamic. The reason why barbershops are so popular. <laughs> I know growing up on the far south side of Chicago, there was nothing like going to a barbershop and getting a shave and a fresh haircut. <laughs> you thought you owned the world you when you walked man, out of That's right? exactly right. <laughs> yeah. So again, a broken spirit can negatively impact our physical condition, and a merry heart can affect our bodies just like a medicine. Isn't it interesting it says like good medicine or like medicine? Absolutely. Because there is a therapeutic component to a merry merriness of heart. Uh, I'm a guy who who wears his feelings on his sleeve. I can be rather emotional at times, and I own that. And again, depending on what day of the week you catch me, on what side of the fence you catch me, you, <laughs> you can see either one of those dynamics of who I am. But at the end of the day, when I am tapped back into the merriness of who God is in me and who I am to him, that does something to me mentally, yep. emotionally, and physically that simply is therapeutic and good for my overall well Pulls you right back on That's the right exactly side. exactly correct. Yep, yep, that is yep. correct. How do you gently counsel people whom you sense are blaming themselves or others or God for their cancer? Well, first and foremost, we need to give people space and opportunity if they really need to um, articulate and unpack uh, some junk that's in their trunk, as I like to say. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got junk in their trunk. Mm-hmm. Now, everybody tries to act like they don't have junk in their trunk, mm-hmm. but everybody's got some junk in their trunk. 
And so when you find people in a state of uh, in the scenario that we're talking about here, we need to give them opportunity to be very free and open if they trust you. Now, this is all predicated on the ability of having a trustful relationship with someone that, that they may need to actually express some things and say some things to someone and get some stuff off their chest. Yeah. Like, man, hey, uh, I remember one time I, I sat down with a patient. Uh, he was part of a, a, a very well-known motorcycle club, historic, and he looked the part. He, he, he had the, the disposition, and um, he came. He was contracted with cancer, came to the hospital, and he came to one of our worship services. And he said to me, Reverend McCray, you have no idea the things that I've done in the places that I've been, mm. living on the road, being a biker. And I'm not suggesting that people who are bikers, yeah, all bikers, live a certain lifestyle. But in this particular example, he lived up to the perception of what many people mm-hmm. thought about, quote unquote, being in a biker's club. And he said, I don't really know if, if, if I'm worthy to sit down and have a conversation with you based upon what I've done and where I've been. I said, absolutely, man. I said, if it'll help you, can I tell you, I've been a few places and I've done a few things myself. Mm-hmm. And it changed the course of that conversation. And I get, and it gave him permission to unpack some things that he shared with me that I've never repeated to another soul that allowed him to cleanse his conscience. Confession is good for the soul. And allowed him to get that up out of and to regurgitate, for lack of a better term, some things that he's been holding around that allowed him to then start working on his process of healing and recovery. But he needed to have a conversation. He needed someone to give him permission to actually express that without being judged. I want to talk to you about the power of hope here in a moment, but I also want to remind our listeners that this conversation has been summarized in written form, and perhaps you have found this helpful, and it would be helpful to go back and kind of relive some of the points that you've heard Percy talk about here today. Uh, Download the resource, the free resource, The Blame Game, from our website, healthhopeandinspiration.com. The Blame Game at healthhopeandinspiration.com. I also remind you that at treatment, I also remind you that at Cancer Treatment Centers of America, they use conventional medical treatments to attack the disease while helping patients manage side effects and maintain their quality of life by using evidence-informed therapies like nutrition and naturopathic support, along with pastoral care, pain management, and other supportive care services. Treatments are tailored for each patient's specific needs. Just visit our website, healthhopeandinspiration.com, click on Sponsor to learn more about Cancer Treatment Centers of America, or you can contact one of their friendly oncology information specialists about questions you may have by calling 866-712-HOPE, 866-712-4673. Cancer Treatment Centers of America uses state-of-the-art technologies to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. And you can learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Talking about the blame game with Percy McRae, Director of Faith-Based Programs at Cancer Treatment Centers of America. Can we talk about the power of hope for a moment? Well, can we? Let's talk about it all the time. <laughs> okay. Ultimately, I tell people at the end of the day, I am the ambassador of goodwill and hope. That's what I That's what I believe my job and my role is in, in, in the planet. And so with that— well, I believe you're built for that, absolutely. actually. Absolutely. <laughs> it is who I am. It's what I am. And so with that, uh, because ultimately, in order for anyone to get to a place— of restitution, recovery, reconciliation, any area that will allow them to transfer from one negative place to a to a better place or a good place requires the spirit, the attitude, and the godly principle of hope. 
Uh, notice all of the commercials in our local market that utilizes and plays off of the word hope mm-hmm. in selling products and selling cars and shoes and insurance. Just just start paying attention to where the word hope is used so intermittently in, in, our, uh, in our, our modern landscape. And because at the end of the day, uh, it is connected to the most powerful resource uh, that has ever been understood by man, and that's God. The Bible says that God is the God of hope. Mm-hmm. Go back, please read your Bibles again for the first time. It's a powerful scripture that he is the God of hope. He doesn't give hope. He doesn't have hope. The very essence of who God's makeup is is that he He is hope. And so uh, Romans 15, 13 says that may the, now may the God of what, Wayne? Hope. What now? Notice the next thing that the hope of God will do for us: fill you, Hallelujah, with some joy, all All joy. joy. How about some peace? (laughs) All peace. Listen to this scripture. Lord, help me today. May uh, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Believing what? That you may abound. Because, see, ultimately, that's what we're talking about. When I am challenged with negative circumstances and situations, when my back is up against the wall, when I'm told that there is no way out, I need to be able to abound from that situation or figure out a way to abound from that. That you may be able to abound in hope by what? By the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not in our strength. <laughs> it's in the strength of the Holy Spirit. We cannot garner or work up any artificial hope that ultimately does not come from the source of hope. It's a powerful principle to understand. And we keep looking for love in all of our own places. And that's why we keep coming up short. If we want to be people of hope, we're going to have to go to the source of where hope comes from. And so Romans 15, 13 reminds us that hope is the pathway to joy and peace. Mm -hmm. Hope can set us free, praise God. Hope in God and hope for the future. Hope for better days. And hope changes our focus, Mm. what we're looking at and what we're concentrating on. If at the end of the day, I'm only focusing on whose fault it is playing the blame game. I can't execute and release the power of hope that is necessary for me mentally, emotionally, physically and spiritually in allowing that power and that presence to change my focus of what I look at. So the scripture says, uh, uh, look unto the hills from which cometh thy help because your help comes from the Lord. Change the the trajectory of what you are looking at and focusing at, and that's where your trajectory gives you the opportunity to go to. If I may, let me take your statement a moment ago and add to it. You said hope can set us free. Hope, not blame, can set us free. Correct. Hope in God, not blame, will set us free. Correct. Hope for the future, not blame. Uh, Hope for better days, not blame, will change our focus. And so the scripture says, you shall know the truth, and the truth... The truth that you know shall set you free and exactly right. So we need to change our focus not to the blame, but to the hope of who God is inside of us today. Well, this has been so helpful to many people, I'm sure, today, Percy. Thank you. Thank. I know this comes from your pastor's heart. Mm, I, I am grateful for the platform as we continue to speak life 
and to his people today. And we're declaring that the best is still yet to come. Why don't you follow this conversation up by downloading the resource, The Blame Game. It's available at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Also on that website, if God has maybe been speaking to you about being more involved uh, with cancer care and cancer care ministry, maybe there's something you can do with your church to get involved. Maybe you can encourage the leaders of your church to check out the Ministry Leaders Network of Our Journey of Hope. That's available at our website, healthhopeandinspiration.com. Click on the Our Journey of Hope logo, and uh, pastors, church leaders can sign up for the Ministry Leaders Network. That would be a great thing to do. All right. Well, we shared several scripture verses today. Can we go back to that proverb, though, that you shared at the top? Because it's the base and the bedrock for everything that we discussed today. And it simply states this, and don't forget it, that when we look at Proverbs 17, 22, a merry heart, not a blaming heart, a merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit or a blaming spirit or a spirit that has been broken because of trying to figure out who's at fault for everything in our lives dries the bones. Today, we are declaring that the merriness of God is flowing through you because of the hope of God today that's available to every one of us. And the hope of God has been shed abroad and the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. That's Pastor P. Percy McRae, Director of Faith-Based Programs at Cancer Treatment Centers of America. God bless you, brother. God bless you, back. see you next time. All right, let's go chop some wood. We got work to do. Let's get busy. Thanks for listening to Health, Hope, and Inspiration. Health, Hope, and Inspiration is produced and sponsored by Cancer Treatment Centers of America. If you or someone you love is fighting cancer, consider Cancer Treatment Centers of America. We treat the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. Our hospitals in Atlanta, Chicago, Philadelphia, Phoenix, and Tulsa take an integrative approach to cancer care. We use conventional medical treatments to attack the disease while helping patients manage side effects and maintain their quality of life by using evidence-informed therapies like nutrition and naturopathic support, along with pastoral care, pain management, and other supportive care services. Treatments are tailored to each patient's specific needs. Visit healthhopeandinspiration.com to view our cancer-related resources or to contact our oncology information specialists about questions you may have about your treatment options. Working together under one roof, our cancer experts use state-of-the-art technologies to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com.